Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Wednesday, October 23rd, the day after the Vancouver Canucks complete the comeback and topple the Detroit Red Wings by a 5-2 final score. Uh, if you missed the game, that score might make it sound like it was, oh boy, just a, just a great rollicking good time, all kinds of entertainment value. Not necessarily the case. This game was something of a dog for the first 40 minutes. The Canucks really did not show up until the third period. Well, save for one gentleman, that is. That would be the goaltender, Jacob Markstrom, with another sterling performance between the pipes. He has been rock solid all year long for this club and uh, might be covering up some of their deficiencies, you know. There is a version of this team, I guess, uh, that could have found a way to lose this game. And that version might have included Jacob Markstrom a couple years ago because this team has changed, and that change has corresponded nicely with an evolution in Markstrom's game as well. Uh, it was a 5-2 comeback that was sparked largely by the play of Bo Horvat up front. Uh, you got the feeling that the captain, uh, you know, he, he this has been an emotional uh, road trip for him. He has uh, flashed his emotions multiple times, whether that's in goal celebrations for big goals, uh, the power play finally breaking through, he himself finally breaking through as he got his first goal of the season back in St. Louis, and of course uh, just yelling curse words in frustration before uh, that happened in St. Louis as well. Uh, this was a huge statement game for Bo Horvat, his first career hat trick. That, of course, proves to be the difference on the scoreboard, uh, but it's also the difference in the game as he scored two in a row on the power plane, no less, to tie the game in the third period. And uh, boy, how good is this team going right now? Well, Elias Pettersson is setting up Tim Schaller for goals. That's how good. It looked like Horvat was going to get his third goal of the night a little bit earlier. That one was eventually called a Jake Vertanen goal in classic Jake fashion as well. The most accidental goal a guy could possibly score. Trying to set up Horvat on the doorstep. Instead, it deflects in off the skate of a sliding defenseman trying to interrupt the passing lane and deflects right past Jimmy Howard into the wide open cage. So that is a Vertanen tally, his first of the season. And uh, we'll talk more a little bit about Jake Vertanen later on in the program because I do feel like that is a story that has slid a little bit under the radar, at least on this show over the last couple episodes uh, with those interviews that I did over the weekend. Didn't got dive into the nitty-gritty of uh, guys sliding up and down the lineup, but we will touch on that a little bit later on. I want to stay on, however, Bo Horvat and what a, a statement game this was for him because, uh, you know, look, ultimately... That's a bad team on the other side of the ice. They played the Detroit Red Wings twice within a one-week span, Tuesday to Tuesday, and both games did not go well for Detroit because most games this year will not go well for Detroit. If the Canucks played this way against another opponent, would they be looking at two points after really just turning on the Jets for 20 minutes in the third period? Probably not. At the same time, you can only beat the opponents that are lined up in front of you and on this night, they did happen to get that W, and on this night, as I mentioned, 
previous iterations of this team might not have been able to say the same. But we have been talking all season long about when are the stars finally going to show up for this team? When are we going to get a dominating performance from one of the top players in this organization to lead them to a single-handed victory that you could point to one of the top guys on this team and say, well, they got it done when no one else did. Of course, that has happened plenty of times this year already, but the guy that you would be pointing the finger at as a star who did get it done is Jacob Markstrom. We haven't seen it necessarily from a ton of the skaters up front, unless you want to count JT Miller, in which case he showed up on a consistent basis pretty regularly game after game to start the season. However, we're talking that top three, right? Besser, Patterson, Horvat, the guys for whom there are real expectations attached to. And if this team as well has real expectations attached to it, as if it's going to go on and be a playoff team, be uh, something that we're watching uh, through April, possibly into May, those guys need to show up and have the seasons expected of them. It still hasn't happened yet for Besser or Pedersen, but this was the Bo Horvat game to cap really what in retrospect has been a Bo Horvat road trip. He took this game over. And this is exactly the sort of thing that I think Marcus Nasland was talking about. If you happen to read Nasland's open letter that was written uh, with the assistance of Thomas Drance in The Athletic the night that uh, Horvat was handed the captaincy. Nasland talked about not letting the sea be a burden, not letting it weigh you down, and not letting it change you. But if it does change you in one way, let it be something that you try to live up to. Let it be a motivator that pushes you to be better than you have ever been before. And look, I think Bo Horvat has already had that internal motivator to be better and better and better season after season, because that's certainly the player that he's been to this point in his career. But as much as we have downplayed the importance of the sea and said that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter ultimately who has a, a letter on their jersey because leaders are going to lead no matter what, would Bo Horvat have led the same way if he didn't have a letter on his jersey? It's tough to say because Jake Furtanen goes on Sportsnet 650 last night after the game and he talks about the fact that during the second intermission when it came time to get this team fired up, to be motivated to go out there and flick the switch and put out an effort in the third period that would finish the road trip strong and not end with a loss against a very weak team that you should be coming up with the W against. Maybe they took Detroit lightly. I know I certainly did. I thought this was going to be a guaranteed win night. I really think every night against, you know, your Ottawa Senators and your Detroit Red Wings should be a guaranteed win night. It didn't look like it was going to be one after 40 minutes, and the guy who gave the speech in the locker room to get the team fired up was not their coach. It was not Travis Green. It was their captain, Bo Horvat. He roused the guys with a with you know leading the talk in terms of what needed to happen in that third period to turn this thing around. And as if talking in the locker room and uh, giving the speech that a leader would give wasn't quite enough, he went out there and led by example with three goals, nearly four as well. So 
This was a captaincy game. This was an impact game. This was a star player takes over game. And we have been waiting for one of these to really say that, you know, the, the team is off to a good start. And don't get me wrong. I am not saying that Elias Pettersson or Brock Besser have not had good starts to the season. They certainly have. These guys are elite players, and the fact that they are quietly putting up points, uh, regardless of how the uh, eye test might perceive them, is obviously a very good sign that this is, you know, a team that is well-built for success and that these guys are well-built to be top-level players in this league. But at the same time, you cannot fault fans for wanting to see those points go up not so quietly, to wanting to wanting for wanting to see statement games from their star players. We got one on Wednesday night from Bo Horvat. Now, Horvat has had as a steady line mate all season long, of course, Tanner Pearson. But things have uh, gotten mixed up for him a little bit ever since the team has tried to tweak their third line to find a third line combination that works. Because, look, as Tom Drance coined it when he was on here uh, last week with me, this third line wasteland is not quarantined just to the third line. If the team wants to make changes to that line beyond the pieces that they have available to them sitting in the press box, the only way that line is going to change is by rotating pieces on and off the Bo Horvat line, because of course the team is perfectly content with what it's getting from its top trio right now of JT Miller with Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser, and they're also really liking that fourth line at the moment of Tim Schaller and Jay Beagle and Tyler Mott, and look, how good is Elias Pettersson right now? How unappreciated is he at this moment when people are picking over his game and thinking that he's having a, a slow start and that there's something wrong with his shot and so on, etc.? I have been a little bit critical of the top stars on this team, of course, but I, it's just because I want to see them do exactly what Bo Horvat did on Tuesday night against Detroit, and that's have a takeover game where they assert themselves as one of the top players on the team and one of the top players in the league and, you know, have their way with the other team on the score sheet. Elias Pettersson has not done that yet. Brock Besser has not done that yet, but that doesn't mean that their games are a problem for this team by any stretch of the imagination. Heaven forbid, absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. Uh, how good is Elias Pettersson right now? He can quietly get Tim Schaller on the score sheet. I'm sure much to the joy of the aforementioned Thomas Drance. Um, but if you're going to make changes to that third line and try to find something that works, as I mentioned, those changes are going to come from Horvat's wingers because uh, that's exactly what's happened. Josh Levo has been flipped down to the third line uh, on a wing with Brandon Sutter and Michael Furland, and Furland right now still dead last in ice time on this team in the Detroit game as well. That's been a consistent story over the course of this road trip. 9.05 in the game against Detroit. Uh, second in front of him is Tim Schaller with 11.17 and then Jake Vertanen with 11.24. So I guess, yes, Jake Vertanen still being used as a quote-unquote fourth-line winger in terms of ice time and how all that shakes down. But he is nominally lining up on the team's second line with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson, and he's doing a very good job of it as well. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a placeholder right now, but he's not a placeholder for Michael 
Michael Furland until Michael Furland finds his game and goes right back to that line. No, uh, I believe he is providing to that line on some level what Antoine Roussel is able to provide when Roussel rides shotgun with Bo Horvat. Because, look, is that a scoring line? Is Bo Horvat looked at as one of your top scorers when that line goes out over the boards uh, for warm-ups? Is that line written in the lineups by the people who tweet out the lines as the first line every time? Yes, it is. Uh, it is not necessarily the first line, but it is used in a checking role. And Vertanen is doing fabulous in one statistical category in particular thus far to start the year. Yes, he finally got his first goal of the season, but right now he is tied for sixth in the league with seven other players uh, for penalties drawn in the NHL this season. Jake Vertanen has drawn six penalties thus far in just uh, you know the limited ice time that he gets. He is right up there near the league lead, in fact, in penalties drawn per 60. In fact, when you filter the results by having played at least nine games, Vertanen's 3.44 penalties drawn per 60 is third in the league behind Matt Duchesne and Brandon Tanev, trailing just behind him Tyson Jost, Nikolai Ehlers, and Paul Byron. So he is in elite company for the time being at putting teams shorthanded and drawing power play opportunities for his line mates. That is valuable. That is certainly valuable from a winger that you want to put in a prominent role. And that is the kind of game as far as throwing the opposition off their game and getting them to take penalties. That is exactly what you can rely on Antoine Roussel when he returns to this lineup. And I have a feeling that when he does, he's going to slide back in onto Bo Horvat's wing. And when he does, that's going to be a line that dominates shot share. That's going to be a very very, very strong possession line for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, even if I'm sure when they loaded up on wingers coming into the year, they did not expect Antoine Roussel to still have a role in their top six when he came off the injured reserve. But good for Jake Vertanen getting this opportunity for the time being and at least trying to make the most of it, doing the things that he does best. And hey, lining up right next to your captain certainly probably helps you feel a little bit more accountable and put in the effort for night in and night out, and I like to think anyways that Jake has been more consistent on the whole overall this season. Of course, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, what we expect of him on a night-to-night basis versus what we expect from a number of other players on this team, uh, it is a matter of uh, lowered expectations, I suppose. A lot easier for uh, him to look like he's having a successful outing uh, than other guys, especially when, as I mentioned, we're still criticizing uh, Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser for the starts of the year that they are off to, despite the fact that uh, Pettersson currently is more than a point-per-game player. Him and JT Miller both with 10 points through nine games. But uh, if it is a promotion for Jake Vertanen, it's not necessarily a demotion for Josh Levo to go down to that third line. He is still being uh, gifted, and I don't think gifted is the wrong term in this case, a little bit of power play time. Uh, he played about a minute 30. It was 133, in fact, on the man advantage in his 13 and 27 uh, of ice time the other night. But uh, it just speaks to me to the fact that 
Travis Green is looking for a third line that he can trust on the ice, and he does not have that at the moment, even if Brandon Stutter is still playing close to 18 minutes a night. He had 17-21 against the Red Wings. A bunch of that, though. The main difference between, of course, Sutter and Levo's ice time coming shorthanded. Levo doesn't touch the penalty kill. Brandon Sutter with 4 minutes and 30 seconds of shorthanded ice time, boosting him up to his 17 and change, as I mentioned. But Green is looking for a third line that he can trust, a dependable dependable trio that he can put out there that are not going to get caved in defensively, are not going to uh, just get destroyed in terms of possession. He's putting out a guy in Josh Levo that he can trust to win board battles, that he can trust to try and move play in the right direction. And uh, that's really, if anything... A uh, you know a strength of his game. It's not necessarily a, I can't call it a promotion to get sent down to the third line, but it does show that the coach does have that faith in you. Because if there's one thing that Michael Furland is looking for right now, other than some consistency in his game, uh, it is some faith from the coach because he is not getting a ton of that, and uh, I guess there's not a lot of reason for him to uh, be getting it either at the moment. But you know. Uh, Not a lot of faith from the fans at the moment either for Michael Furland, but maybe he can turn that around. You know, I don't think there's anybody dogpiling him as of yet. It hasn't even been 10 games of this contract, but uh, as I mentioned multiple times with my interview guests over the course of last week, a bunch of cause for concern on the Furland front right now. Nobody wants to be, you know, uh, crying wolf about it, but... The, the early returns have not been good, and certainly over this road trip did not pick up any at all. As we pour over the ice time, of course, from last night's action in Detroit, it is worth noting uh, if Michael Furland was the uh, on the low end in terms of the forwards up front, coming up uh, at 6 of 6 on the defense was Troy Stetcher with 12 minutes and 10 seconds of ice time, just 33 seconds of penalty kill time as well. And of course, Troy throughout the day uh, on Tuesday was also the subject of plenty of trade talks from the TSN side anyways, as Darren Drager and Bob McKenzie both went on local radio here in Vancouver and talked about the fact that Stetcher is on the trade market. That kind of got shot down uh, by Elliot Friedman uh, in 31 Thoughts last week, but I'll have more on that uh, in tomorrow. Tomorrow's show. I would say, however, if the uh, Stetcher camp, if Troy's agent is uh, dissatisfied with the amount of playing time that he's been getting thus far early in the season, there's plenty of reason to be dissatisfied. Troy Stetcher is better than a number six guy. He is better than a player who should be uh, playing 12 minutes a night. You know, this is a guy who was averaging plenty more than that last year and will probably average plenty more than that as this season progresses. He just needs to wait for someone to get injured and then suddenly. There will be a bunch of ice available to him. His defensive partner, however, Jordy Ben, playing 17 minutes a night. And that is, uh, you know, uh, something that has to probably sting, I'm sure. For Troy, if you want to find him some extra minutes, though, I would say that there's probably plenty of time on the penalty kill that could actually fall to Troy Stetcher. Uh, I I don't understand this reluctance to using him in that role. Uh, All of the things that make him an effective defenseman at 5-on-5 also translate, of course, to being effective uh, when you're short a man as well. And he's just getting 
one shift on a night where the Vancouver Canucks were shorthanded quite a bit. In fact, handed the Red Wings seven power plays. They scored on two of them, a five-on-three goal and a four-on-three goal for the Red Wings, the second of which was scored by Dennis Chalowski and assisted by Taro Hirose. Why do I mention those two players? They are both alumni of the BCHL. They are both players whose junior games I personally have done play-by-play for. So what am I saying, folks? I'm saying get out there and support your local junior teams in Junior Ray right across this country. You never know when the players from those teams will go on to be uh, lighting up your team of choice in the NHL. I don't subscribe to the idea that this is the Canucks penalty kill falling back down to earth because it's a five-on-three situation. It's a four-on-three situation. What really can you glean from that in the grand scheme? Teams are probably going to score when you hand them lengthy five-on-threes. I believe it was a full 90 seconds on the two-man advantage for the Detroit power play on their opening goal scored by Anthony Mantha. And then uh, a a penalty when you're playing four-on-four hockey, four-on-three, it's like getting a penalty in overtime. You tend to assume that a power play in overtime is automatically going to win the game because there is so much extra open ice in four on three. That is equally true when it happens in regulation as well. So let's not uh, uh, sound the alarm that this is the end of the Canucks penalty killing dominance. They certainly uh, don't have the stats uh, as good as they did coming into the night when you give up two of seven and you've been nearly perfect on the year. But uh, this is hardly... (laughs) the beginning of the end either. What I do worry about is the fact that Alex Edler's ice time is up through the opening 10 games this year relative to what it was last year. Because if this team wants Edler to remain a dominant force for them on the back end, they need to be load managing him better. He has not had an easy time of staying at 100%. His body has broken down. Same as Chris Tanev, honestly. Chris Tanev probably playing too much over the course of these opening games as well. Uh, Let's look at their average time on ice. Alex Edler at 24.59 through the opening nine games. Chris Tanev not far behind him. He is third on the team behind Tyler Myers with 20-37. Myers could probably eat more of that, but number one in terms of who could take more of that ice time is a guy like Troy Stetcher who can be doing a lot more than 12 minutes and you know so much of the ice time that went towards that top duo of uh, Tanev and Edler on the penalty kill was PK minutes. Edler played nearly eight minutes shorthanded on Tuesday night. That is frankly too much, especially when those are the hard minutes. Those are the minutes where you're giving up the body to block shots, especially uh, a Chris Tanev giving up the body to block shots. Uh, those are the the minutes where uh, the injuries compound. Those are the minutes where the stress on your body can become too much. If you want to help these guys stay healthy, you need to be spreading around the short-handed ice time because you look at these totals, Alex Edler, 7 minutes and 42 seconds. Chris Tanev, 6 minutes, 28 seconds. That is simply too much. If you are asking them to do that night after night, it is going to break them down a lot quicker than uh, you really should be at this stage of the season. It is a long race to Game 82 and hopefully playoffs beyond that. I hope that they can manage the load a little bit better. This is just reminding me of... The Tortorella season where, you know, Torts came out of the gate thinking that the number one way for his team to win was to just play the hell out of the Sedins. 
in every situation, load them up on ice so that they're playing upwards of 22 minutes a night in old age. It didn't make sense at that time for those players up front. It doesn't make sense right now for Alex Edler on the back end. He is simply too old to be playing 25 minutes a night when you have other options available. Look, you cannot be giving him that much penalty killing time. That's what's going to kill him in the long run, or at least injure him and take him off of this team's available roster. It's not a demotion to give him less penalty killing time. It's not a demotion to hand some of those minutes over to Troy Stetcher. It is about balance in much the same way that Josh Levo going down to the third line is not a demotion either. You need to uh, consider the good of the team, which I'm sure Travis Green obviously spends a lot of time doing. I just wonder if uh, this strategy that he's landed on in terms of which defensemen need to eat up all the PK ice time is really uh, doing exactly that, or if he's just trying to, uh, you know, win every game individually. It's not about the battles, it's about the war. Keep your troops intact so that they can get to the finish line. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that's our show for the day. I will be back tomorrow with a mailbag edition of Locked On Canucks. Still time for you to get your questions in for that. If you are so inclined, just head on over to the show Twitter, at Locked On Canucks. Send me a tweet, uh, or you can get at me on my personal as well, at Justin Morris. That's M-O-R-I-S, one R. One S, and of course, I've been saying this all week long, uh, if you could do me a solid and head on over to wherever you happen to get the show, whether that is from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, I don't even know what other podcatchers there are. Wherever you happen to get your podcasts, head on over to the store. Leave me a review if you could be so kind. It helps uh, boost our stock in the algorithm, helps other people find the show, and if you enjoy the show, it helps me out a whole heck of a lot. Until tomorrow, uh, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. I hope you learned something today because you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.